Welcome to the Integrative Palliative Podcast, where we talk about integrative symptom management and physician well-being, because every physician deserves to have satisfying work, and every patient deserves an effective and joyful physician. Let's get started. Welcome to the Integrative Palliative Podcast. I'm Dr. Caramonti, and we are going to talk today about six ways that you can improve the experience for a patient who is in the hospital. And I take this both from the side of the clinician, but also from the side of the family member. Six ways that you can improve the experience of the patient in the hospital. I'm going to share a story. Now, in the beginning, it might seem like this is a weird story for this topic, but by the time we get to number six, you'll understand. So when I was doing inpatient palliative care during COVID, we had, of course, a ton of incredibly sick people, many of whom were younger than the kind of sick people I was used to seeing. And this one particular patient was in his early 50s, and he was in the ICU with COVID. And he was really, really sick, really sick. And after a while, when people are in the hospital and they're really sick and they're intubated and unable to talk, it becomes hard sometimes to see them as people. That sounds harsher than I mean it to, but you know, you, you, they can't talk to you and you don't know anything about them. And so one of the things that we did as a palliative care team was to find out from the family for people who were in the ICU about the person. Who were they? What did they like to do? What was important to them? What was one thing that the family would want us to know about this person? And we did this for this patient. And his family said they wanted us to know that he had two master's degrees, that he was incredibly smart, that he loved a certain sports team, that he loved a certain kind of food. And we put that on a paper and we taped it up in his room. And nurses and the doctors actually said things to us about, oh, wow, we didn't we didn't know that about him. And all of a sudden, the experience of just putting up these details of his life reminded everybody that he's a person. And it just struck me what a powerful intervention that is. So we'll get, that's number six. We'll get to that one. But okay, let's start with what are the six ways that we can improve people's experience of being in the hospital? Number one is to make sure that we do everything we can to help them here. So a lot of times people end up in the hospital without their hearing aids. And, you know, I guess I understand why it happens. They're expensive and people are afraid that they'll lose them or they just kind of, you know, zoom into the emergency room and they don't think to bring them. But when patients have trouble hearing and they're alone in their room and the doctors or nurses or physical therapists or occupational therapists show up and try to talk to them and they can't understand, it changes the whole way that they get cared for in the hospital. If nobody can talk to them, they they don't have as much connection with the people who are caring for them and it becomes harder to care for them. So if your person has hearing aids and you feel comfortable doing it, send them along. If your patient can't hear you, ask the family if they have hearing aids that they could send in that would make the patient more able to engage with everybody. And if the patient doesn't have hearing aids or they can't bring them in, the clinician should use, I don't know if this is a generic term or it's just the one that we used in the hospital, but a thing called a pocket talker, pocket talker, which is basically just a microphone. So the clinician holds a microphone 
and the patient puts these earphones on so that they have an amplified experience of us talking to them so they can hear. I have been so shocked at the difference that that makes. So patients even will just tune out sometimes if they know that they can't they can't hear you, they can't understand, they just won't even bother trying to have a conversation or answer questions. But then as soon as you give them this ability to communicate again, often their whole demeanor changes, they feel more connected, now they're sharing new information. So it's super important that if we can help people hear so they can communicate with us, that we do that. That's one. Similarly, we should help them to see if possible. So if they have their regular glasses, ask the family to bring in their glasses. Or if they need reading glasses to read, we should ask the family to bring in their reading glasses. Some places actually keep a collection of different strengths of over-the-counter kind of reading glasses that you can share with people. We used to do that in our palliative care team. Some people use a magnifying glass at home to read. And so if they do and they want it, we can ask the family to bring it in. So just we should be aware that seeing is important and being able to read is important, both for reading consent forms, reading the menu. Uh, but also for engagement and reading a book or doing puzzles. So number one, make sure they can hear if we can help it, make sure they can see if we can help it. Number three, if possible, give them something to do. Hospitals are so boring. And yes, there's TV, but often the TV is boring and a drag and people don't want to watch it. So we should ask as clinicians, but then also as family members, do you want me to bring in a book? Do you want me to bring in puzzles? Do you want me to bring in your Kindle? What would you like to do? Can I entertain you in some way? Are they used to entertaining themselves on their phone? Do they have access to their phone? So a lot of times I've gone into patients' rooms and they're awake and alert and bored, but their phone is in their purse, which somebody put in a closet and they can't get out of bed to get it. And so they're just sitting there doing nothing. So we should just remember as clinicians and family members that if we can help give people something to do, if they're well enough to do it, that's important. And that improves their experience of being in the hospital. That's three. Number four is if we can help them to sleep, that's a plus. So obviously, if a person's unstable, you can't do this. But if the person is stable enough that it's okay to skip overnight vital signs, we should try to do that. So if you're a clinician and you have a patient who's stable, can you write an order to pause the vital signs overnight? And if you're a family member, could you ask the doctors, could they do that? Would they be willing? Do they think it's safe to pause vital signs overnight? If the patient happens to have a room that's really noisy near the nurse's station and there are extra rooms on the floor, we could, if they're having trouble sleeping, consider moving them to a room that's farther away from the nurse's station if it's safe for them to do that. Because sometimes patients are placed by the nurse's station so the nurses can keep an eye on them. But if that's not necessary and they want to be in a quieter room, we could see if that's an option. That's number four. Number five is we should try to give people as much control as possible because being in the hospital is pretty much an experience of having little control. People come in whenever they want to. They stick you with things. They take you out of your room and take you to get a test. You often don't have a lot of say as a patient. The, the doctors say, this is what has to happen and poof, that's what's happening. So anytime we can give them control, we should do that. And that's both from the perspective of the clinician and also from the perspective as a family member. So even little things like, do you want your door open or closed? Do you want your blinds up or down? Do you want your head up or not? Anything, anything, anything that we can do to give people a little bit of control, we should do that. 
you know, if we as clinicians have the opportunity to say, would it be okay to talk now? Or would you like me to come back after you finish your lunch? That's great. I know you can't always do that because you're so busy. But if you can do that, it's just important to recognize that that in itself is an intervention because you're giving the patient who is probably feeling out of control a sense of control. So just when we go into a room, we should be thinking, what can I do? What small thing even could I do to give this person a little bit of a sense of control? That's fine. And then number six, we should do everything we can to see our patients as human beings, as people. And I mean no disrespect by that statement, because I know that physicians and nurse practitioners and nurses and all healthcare providers are working their rear ends off. And of course, they're trying to treat everybody as people, of course. But the truth is, it gets busy and you got to get your work done. And sometimes a patient, you're like that patient, and then there's that patient over there, and there's that patient over there. And we forget that these are human beings just like we are, that they want to feel seen. So anything we can do to make people feel seen as people and not as patients is really meaningful. So even if that's just a short conversation about who's important to them, or what they like to do, or when they get home, what are they going to do? What are they going to spend their time doing? Or what work did they do that was meaningful to them? Or whatever, just something where they feel seen for the human being that they are. And I would recommend that if you work in an ICU where the patients often can't speak for themselves, that you consider that idea of having the family give information about the person as a person, and then put that up in their room. Things like, what did they like to do? What was their favorite music? Who's their favorite sports team? What's their favorite food? What do they do for work or education? Just so that they can be fleshed out as a whole person and everybody who goes into that room can have that vibe about them. It's it's really important. And it's such a simple intervention to do, but it's really meaningful for probably not the patient because they are often sedated, but it's certainly meaningful for the family And it's certainly meaningful, even for the clinicians, because it's good for our own humanity when we remember, oh, wow, right, this guy loved barbecue. This is who he is as a person. It's just good for us to remember that. I think it's good for our soul. So anything we can do to have the person be seen as a person, a whole human, is really important for everybody, the patient, the family and the clinicians. And in that example in the ICU, of course, the ICU clinicians are all doing their very best to treat everyone in the very best way they can. But it's possible that if they really see the person as a person, that they may even provide a little better care than if it just was a patient. So I think it's good for everybody. And if you're the loved one and you have someone in the hospital, sometimes even small things like bringing a picture of the family to put on the bedside or bringing a little lap blanket or putting somebody in their own pajamas instead of the hospital pajamas, if you're allowed to do that. Sometimes those little things can be good subconscious reminders of like, hey, remember, this guy's not a patient, he's a person. So here's our six things, six ways that we can improve the experience of people who are in the hospital. Number one, try to make sure they can hear if that's an option for them. Number two, try to make sure they can see if that's an option for them. Number three, give them something to do if possible. Number four, help them sleep. Number five, give them a sense of control whenever possible. And number six, do everything that you can to have them intentionally be seen, not just as a patient, but as a person. 
So what did I miss? If there's other ideas that you have, I can do a a follow-up to this episode. Let me know. You can contact me through my website, integrativepalliative.com, and I'd love to hear from you. So for your homework this week, if you're a clinician, I would like you to focus on making sure that you are intentionally seeing your patients as their full human self. So pick one patient a day and make an intentional effort to get to know them as a person. All right, that's it for this week. Thank you so much for being here. Please tell somebody else about this podcast. It's growing and I really want it to grow more. I'd love for more people to share with us this integrative palliative approach. And I will see you next Thursday. Bye. This podcast was brought to you by the Integrative Palliative Institute. IPI has two arms, a training arm for physicians and other clinicians, and a family support arm that is there to help family caregivers of people with serious illness go from feeling overwhelmed and exhausted to becoming confident advocates for their loved ones while also taking care of themselves. If you'd like some help on your journey, please reach out. You can find everything that you need at integrativepalliative.com backslash training.